Hey, I'm Fred. And I'm Ant. And this is Creator Generation. generation We take you inside the minds of the world's top video creators and experts to share their tips and stories from working on the world's biggest video platform. Before we get started, you may have noticed we have a brand new Creator Generation intro track, and that is because an awesome creator named Tom Thumb has helped us out with our very own track. Now, if you don't know, Tom Thumb is one of the best beatboxers in the world and an awesome YouTube creator. And every sound you hear on that track, Fred? Made with a human voice. Made by Tom's amazing voice. Thanks, Tom. Thank you. You legend. Frederico, what is happening this week? This week we are chatting with Shad from Shadiversity. Isn't that cool? Like yeah. I'm going through the narration right now, yeah. and I've been I've been like screaming because it's so good. Ah, uh, yes, the famous Shad University. Uh, it's <laughs> actually a channel dedicated to all things medieval, like uh, how certain swords were used and the accuracy of castles portrayed in you know shows like Game of Thrones. Yeah, Shad's like a self-confessed super nerd, but. A very awesome creator, well over 600,000 subscribers, and I, I think he's picked up over 300,000 subs in the last year alone. Yeah, really successful creator, and I, I, I really like Shad because he is so passionate about what he does, and it's so infectious. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, when we were with him, like, you know, even we ended up wielding swords, <laughs> something I never thought I'd actually ever do. Um, and, but we talk about a whole bunch of things, like how to make YouTube a full-time career, even with a family to support. And the amazing opportunities it's opened up for him, like getting the world's top audiobook narrator to work with him on his first book. Let's get into it. Welcome, Shad. Hey, it's a pleasure to be here. I can certainly call myself a creator. Not sure about expert, but, but you know, I can fake it. We'll, we'll see how we do. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. We put you firmly in the creator uh, <laughs> category and we'll talk to other experts later. Yeah. <laughs> So, in other words, don't believe anything I say unless it works. Well, let, let's, <laughs> if it works. Yeah. If it fails, <laughs> it wasn't me. <laughs> let's see if people can figure out whether they should listen to you or not. Chad, tell us how you got started on YouTube. Well, there's kind of two main reasons why I wanted to get started in the first place. One was actually to build a, a fan base uh, to launch a writing career that I'd been working on. So well, I've been doing YouTube four years now, and I started trying to write in 2007. So uh, let's do some quick math here, 2015, and then so, so about eight years up to when I started. So I had written oh, maybe four or five books, actually. Um, by that time, they were all, they were all crap. <laughs> they weren't very good. When you start writing, you always start at the lowest, and you, then you work on it, you get better and better. And so... I knew that having a fan base would either help me get picked up by a publisher or it would really help me out if I you know, went to self-publish my book. So both of those uh, things were on my mind. But the other thing is that I've been a massive nerd my whole life, like the biggest nerd. You know, you name a, like a nerdy pastime, whether it's Magic the Gathering, Dungeons & Dragons, superheroes, anime, right? Mm. I've kind of been there. <laughs> like my, my, my nerd cred is pretty high, okay? <laughs> Uh, and but one of the biggest passions has been the medieval side of thing. If it's medieval fantasy, medieval history, but mainly it was the swords, swords, armor, the action, the excitement, the romanticism behind it all, the imagery, knights, castles. I just loved it. So I was the kid. If you go back in time, who was always making swords, wooden swords, and going around hitting trees and stuff, and playing in the backyard <laughs> like that. That that was me, right there. Um, 
And uh, as that passion grew, I've always wanted to learn more about it. And so because I love swords, I want to know how you're supposed to use them. How were they used in the past? These things are pretty cool. Uh, what's the proper name of this sword? Are there different types of swords? And so I, <laughs> my first education came from Dungeons and & Dragons. And it's like, oh, so this is, called, uh, this is called a long sword. It's not, by the way. I'm talking about like a one-handed, you know, knight sword. That's called, no, it's not called a long sword. But D&D will tell you it is. Oh. I felt betrayed. <laughs> thoroughly betrayed by Dungeons and Dragons um, and so there is so much misinformation out there like you wouldn't believe they're, they're, where people have just a really incorrect idea and uh, I would already found myself on YouTube quite regularly doing some research for my books and stuff and uh, I, and I could see that this is a great way to get information out there. And I could really add something to the discussion about swords and stuff. And I just wanted to add that, you know, that, that correct information on there. So you could, I'm the type of person, unless I'm working on something that gives me true satisfaction, I can fall into depression. <laughs> like I need some purpose and direction. And of course, having a great wife and children is one of the best ways I've ever found, you know, to get real purpose and satisfaction. But then there's another side to it where you want you want something that you're doing for your career, how you're getting money and stuff like that to, to satisfy you as well. And I've never had that in my normal jobs, never. I've always hated it. And the normal jobs are just a means to an end until I could actually find a way to make money out of doing something I actually enjoyed. And, you know, that was writing and stuff. And with YouTube... I didn't really think that I would be able to make a career out of it. I didn't think I'm going to make heaps of money. I thought, well, hey, like I, I, I have something to say. I want to teach people about you know swords, medieval stuff, and things. And if I even end up getting 200 views a video, that's awesome. Those are 200 people. Like I've done public speaking in the past. Well, actually, I do a lot of public speaking now and then. And uh, so. A audience of 100 people is massive. If you've ever done a public speaking thing to 100 people, it's huge. And getting 200 views isn't that difficult, and that's that size audience. That's a large amount of people. So I was like, well, look, even if I get that, that's a great foundation, and it's already an audience. And so I had to tell myself, if I, even if I get this, however long I've ended up doing this, it's worth it. It's great. And so that's that's how I kind of started getting into it. Because I was also unemployed at the time, and so it gave me a bit of <laughs> a bit of time, right? Um, but it, it's interesting because when uh, when you find yourself in a position where you're unemployed and stuff, and of course you're looking for work and things, but then what else are you doing with your time? And uh, I love video games, and I can get caught up just playing video games forever. But if I find myself that I've played nothing but video games for a whole day, I feel like junk. <laughs> like I feel like a worthless, sorry, useless pile of whatever. But as long as I've worked on something that was kind of aiming towards something higher, something productive, something that could grow into something greater, I would get the satisfaction and I'll be much happier and feel better about myself. And so I was in that state. I was unemployed. I had that time. And so I was like, all right, YouTube, started making the YouTube videos while still writing more, you know, on my books, working on my books, writing my book and stuff. And, uh, and that's where it really started out, a good four years ago. Were you watching a lot of this type of content on YouTube? Like, yeah. Why um, YouTube? Well, YouTube, honestly, is one of the, like, if you want broad information, that's generally what TV and documentaries have to do. They have to, because they want to capture as large an audience as possible, so they need to broaden out the kind of, the way they present it to do that. But I needed specific information. I needed, like, all right, how does this sword hand, like, how do you use this sword specifically? What does it mean? What's the background? Like, and there wasn't much information on castles. I had to do separate research for castles and stuff. But in getting really specific information, YouTube is the 
go-to place because that's what it is. You, you have these creators that are catering to such specific, you know, audiences and stuff, and there is an audience for it, but mainstream media, they can't do it. It's too bro- like it's too specific that they wouldn't get the return that they want. But for a single person doing it, and even if they just get a couple of thousand views, well, that is the return that they get. So how do you go from being a passionate consumer of the content and the information and then go, you know what, I want to turn the camera on myself and share that? And, and how do you take those steps? Like how do you uh, shift it, that? It helps if you're narcissistic. <laughs> I, um no, I mean, like I've always gotten a, a thrill out of being out of performing. Uh, you know, I've done drama stuff in the past, and so and so. When I see these guys talking about something that I'm passionate about, and I could talk about, well, I could do that too. And so there wasn't much of a barrier for me personally thinking about it, could I do that. I, I felt very confident I could. I've done very similar things in the past. That's just in front of a camera. All I need is a camera, and so get that and then I'm good to go. And there was a couple of other things that I was very intentional about. You know, I wanted to try and make as good a content that I possibly could, right? I wanted to start making content that if someone watched it and didn't see the sub count or the view count, that they watch it and they're thinking they're watching a channel that has 50,000 subs or something like that, where it was already to that level, that there was no barrier between any of the production things and just absorbing the content and enjoying it. And so... I made a wooden chair, like a medieval-style wooden chair ready to go, and, you know, then shields and stuff that I could use in set, and then I tried to frame the shot. I moved everything out of one of the rooms that we had. only had a three-bedroom home, took everything out of the, one of the whole rooms and dedicated as a, a full studio where I could move around, hold the weapons, and, and actually have some room to make the best content I could. And, I didn't, and even though I tried really hard, my first videos were pretty bad, right? <laughs> but I would look at them and was like, all right, how can I improve? You know, the lighting is bad. I need better lighting. Bang. I'd go out and, you know, save up, get better lighting. Okay, that's a bit better. Oh, ISO, exposure. Like, let's actually try and get the best support I can of the camera. That joke is a bit too cringy. I'm trying too hard. Let's just be a bit more relaxed and just be casual and stuff. And, then, and so I'm always looking at my content and seeing how I can improve. And you can, you can follow that improvement bit by bit. And especially in the early days, you'll see my set, my backdrop changing. I'll be trying one thing, I'll be trying another, until I finally settled on something that just worked. It was great. And that's kind of the format that I've stuck with ever since. And it worked. Um, so what was, like, how did you know what to do? Like, like content-wise? Yeah, like, or you know, or yeah. how to make good content? or Yeah, like, where did you start? Like, you know, you, well, like, it, it like sounds swords. very simple. I just start, <laughs> you know, you've got a passion, you know, swords. Uh, well, um, actually, you've yeah. got something you want to add to it, and you found a platform that you want to do it. Yeah. So you just... I've, what, to yeah. set a camera up and off you went? Like, how did you... Good points, good yeah. points, actually. In, in actual fact, whenever I sit out to do something, I try and get a, as good an understanding of what is entailed in the task as possible. And I technically, I study it without really realising I'm studying it. So I'm watching videos, and I'm in the back of my head, I'm being hypercritical without really realising, figuring out, what is he doing that's working? Okay, is that working? That's good. Okay, what's not? Oh, oh, it's not doing that. I could actually do something that is not doing fully and it'll work out even better. And one of the things that I did see that was not being employed nearly as much that, like um, in the kind of sphere of medieval you know, stuff was humour and just uh, like employing, just being... And look, these guys can be funny. They can be incredibly funny. But as a, as a more constant kind of element to the content and uh, a couple of other things was just like trying to set up a backdrop that looked somewhat, you know, 
not professional, but it framed the, sh- the shot better and things. And then also ex- ex- exploring different uh, um, opportunities with the type of content because no one had really talked about how swords, weapons, armor, and stuff was adapted into Dungeons and Dragons. The, the thing that betrayed me, you know. <laughs> and so, like, how like, because when people adapt these historical things into pop culture media, whether it's role playing games, video games, TVs, movies, and stuff, they often get so much wrong. And so, very few people had actually addressed that very thing. This adaptation, the, the intersect between medieval history and medieval fantasy and stuff so that those were on my head and uh, i actually uh, you know i have to credit the question to be a bit more insightful than i originally <laughs> thought it because i had also prepared a couple of other things um i could have started filming much earlier than i did but i was a couple of months after because i wanted something that would give the channel a bit more like i said legitimacy frame the shots stuff like that and so i had built a, a medieval looking chair if you if you've ever see my content you'll notice that i'm sitting on this this chair this wooden medieval style chair i built that i uh, my dad is a builder and is an architect he had a building firm and stuff and so i've already grown up around a lot of timber i know my way around a drop so i actually worked as a joiner and fitter in one of my first um occupations and so yeah i built this wooden chair with my own hands and i also built medieval shields some things to actually make videos about and stuff because I didn't just want to start filming with my bed in the background or I actually wanted to make it as legitimate looking as I could. And so there was actually a decent amount of preparation and some of subconscious, some of it very intentional and stuff. And then then I started filming off the bat and and my first video, you know, I tried to include humour. It's cringy as anything. Um, The first channel trailer was the very first thing. It's it's gone into the abyss. You won't find it anymore. But some of my first videos are still up there that I filmed like in conjunction with that one. And if you want to see the cringy humour that I was attempting (laughs) right at the beginning, it's still there. I reckon we'll we'll share. Chad, you can share us that that channel trailer maybe, and we can. Oh, the trail! No, (laughs) just an excerpt of it. Look, it is glorious in its cringe. I might in its cringe. I might have to share with you because there is one (laughs) gag in it which is just astounding so i think it's in private i might have deleted those so if i deleted it we're out of luck but if it's in private I, i'd be willing we're friends and i think i can yeah. i can share with you oh no i, I want to share that with everybody oh dear. oh dear we'll talk about that well okay so what is good content like no, it's a huge <laughs> question right but yeah. you know you, you're talking about like you, you gotta you, you're gonna live and die by mm-hmm. how good your content is or how and specifically how good and how relevant your content is to your very specific audience in your yeah. very specific area and your self-proclaimed nerdy area of um, <laughs> medieval swords. Like, you know, what makes good content? Well, you kind of hit the nail on the head right there. It depends on the audience. The audience will have different expectations and stuff. And uh, and honestly, the di- depending on your audience will create a different uh, atmosphere and feel to the community that you develop on your channel as well. And so the audience that I attract are like the greatest, the most glorious mega geeks in the world, like who love history and stuff. And it's interesting. I go into massive amounts of details. My videos are generally longer than shorter, and I will go on tangents and I will dive into parts on the tangent that, you know, I probably could have cut. And and people have said, you know, it's interesting that I can talk for 10, 15 minutes on a subject that could have been summarised and talked in and, and given enough detail in two or three minutes, and they would have known the same amount. 
but I love doing that. I love going into detail. I love looking at all the angles. I love testing what I know and things. And the, the result of this is really interesting is that I attract an audience who have a very good attention span. And that generally um, means that they're really insightful, they're funny, and uh, they teach me heaps. They will send me links and stuff. And there are comments that are like essays. And I'm not kidding, <laughs> like four-page essays, right, in the comments. And when I have time, I try to read them, but the big ones can be, can be difficult. But what's, a, what's one of the most glorious results of this is that I barely have any trolls on my channel. Like if you go into the comment section, you don't see people ragging out other people. There's very few swearing and stuff like that. There's barely any because it seems like trolls don't have long attention spans and they don't stick around and they don't subscribe. And then so the community on Chatterversity is one of the most glorious, satisfying, fulfilling things I've ever seen in my life. It's just amazing. But Going back to making good content, one of the things that I think is most significant, okay, is having personality and charisma. If you can speak in an engaging, you know, enthusiastic way, I honestly feel that is half the battle, right? If you can do that, you could, uh, and then you have a passion or something to talk about. Combine those two things, you can make it as a YouTuber. I have a friend who's a concreter, right? But he is funny, he's charismatic, he has that kind of presence. And I, and I said to him, you could be a successful YouTuber, right? If you just get in there, start making content, right? Because I've seen creators who aren't as engaging and things, but they're still successful. So, you know, you can overcome it, but those creators that do have that kind of, you know, spark, right? They have such an advantage. It's, it's almost hard to understate that like, or even overstate it. I get confused. Yep. <laughs> I think way. you know what I'm saying. Is it's that important. It's really important. If you have the charisma, charisma if you have the presence – Oh, you're almost set. You can do it. You can do it. But then you need something to talk about. You need a passion. And the passion part is interesting because YouTube can become a treadmill, right? And so if you're not enjoying what you're talking about and you're not enthusiastic, you're not, you're not there for the passion, it's going to burn you out. And even when you have a passion, you can, I've suffered from burnout, but the thing that helped me get through it is that I love what I'm doing. Mm. Okay. I'm, and, uh, and like I said, um, even if I was only getting a couple hundred or a thousand subscribers, I'd still be doing this yep. because I love it, all right? And that's the passion that's actually gotten me through the difficult parts of YouTube and the, the work of it and stuff. <laughs> I want to ask you about like that, that community and, and the audience. When you're creating this content, are you picturing like are you creating this content for, for yourself and like people that you go, there's a whole bunch of shads out there mm. who would love this type of Let's get really detailed, nerdy about very specific medieval stuff. Is that what you're doing? Like, what? Do you- it's a bit of both. I mean, if you as a creator are not, you're not making content that your viewers have subscribed for, they're going to leave. Okay, and I've seen channels lose a lot of traction, subscribers, and kind of start to die because their content isn't fulfilling the promise that they originally had promised like in the past, if they're changing stuff like that. So that's very, I'm very mindful of that, trying to give my audience what they want. Yet at the same time, I am doing it for me. I want that personal satisfaction. I need to make videos that I'm interested in, so I try and find a balance. And on the occasion, I will do something out of left field that my audience is, is, is like probably not prepared for, not ready, and it, it lets me experiment a little bit, try out something different, and sometimes they respond really well to it. And when they do, I double down. I was like, there we go. This is a mainstay. And I, like, like when I first started, I was all medieval weapons and armor. That was about it. Okay. And I reached a point where I didn't really have much to make anymore. I, mean, I just need to make a video. All right. Uh, fine. I'll make a video looking at how realistic are the castles in Game of Thrones. Okay. Um, it was a risk. Never made castle videos before. Instantly my most successful video. Bang. Turns out my audience is so interested in castles. I was like... I've been wanting to do castle videos for ages, but I've been holding back on it because I wasn't sure if 
I would get a return on it. The audience might not like it, but it turns out they loved it. And so I doubled down. I made, I started reviewing castles from video games, Skyrim, from movies, more Game of Thrones one. And then another thing I found out is that they started, like, they started really liking the factual historical parts and the information parts within the videos. Like, I'm, so I'm talking about the fictional ones, and then I reference a real historical castle and, and mention something more factual. And most of the people are loving the factual things. So, okay. Let me just make a video just not about a fictional castle, not trying to capitalise on, you know, something that's already popular and just do something, what is a castle, you know? What are the different types of castles and stuff? So I, I tried one of these videos, hugely successful. Like, they love the factual castle. So that's become a mainstay on my channel ever since. Now, having said that, that doesn't mean I didn't try things that were kind of off-topic uh, that didn't work. I did. If you go back to the very beginning of my channel, you'll see drawing tutorials. I tried a couple of videos of drawing tutorials just to see if there was an interest. I love drawing. Were you drawing swords? Yeah, I actually have a video on how to draw swords in perspective. I think that's the exact one, yeah. right? I know a lot about swords. And so it's interesting. There is a connection to the original content there. It's still about swords, but the video did horrible. My audience wasn't interested in drawing tutorials. So you know what I did? I've never made another one since. <laughs> but, but it's important because I actually see creators making videos that their audience isn't interested in and they keep doing it. And then they start wondering why they aren't getting as many views. And I'm like, you do realise that you're not doing the very thing that your audience is there for, that they want to watch. And, and so what I do, I still experiment sometimes. I'll try something different. And if it's a miss, well, I know. Well, well look, you know, I'm happy I made it. I was interested in that video. So there. But... I'm probably not going to make more of those. I want to. I want to get success. I want to make. I want to make the content my audience is interested in, um, and so uh, yeah. And then I'll and and then when you do experiment something that the audience latches onto and they love, well, guess what? You've just expanded your own content. Then you and you've got something that you can keep milking. So um, how do you balance that 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 thing between audience desire and of what they want, but also that creative need within you to keep creating what because. Yes. you want to do how do you balance that out well for me I, I generally only try something that's a bit out of uh, the ordinary for the regular kind of mine channel rarely and so it might be one every four video well not even that sometimes even rare because right now my content has expanded so much where i have different uh series i've got like underappreciated historical weapons fantasy rearmed um uh, uh, there's another one. Uh, oh yeah, crimes against medieval realism. Another one. I got my whole castle series, which is just anything on castles and stuff like that. And so right now, I'm actually just trying to keep doing videos on these different series that my audience like. And I'm jumping between the two. And it's like it's been a while since I've done an underappreciated historical weapons. I'm due for one now. I need to make one yeah, coming up. And so it's time to do one of those now. It's time. To, but it's funny. I do have a video that's that I, I can't wait to do, and it's it's out of left field. It's it's, it's on. Uh, on how spaceships can't turn. <laughs> so it's like completely different to what I do. But I've already kind of danced around the sci-fi stuff. I love sci-fi. And it's going to be one of the biggest nerdy, overly factual things <laughs> why, you know, sci-fi spaceships like X-Wings and, and Star Wars and stuff and then and also in like um, uh, uh, Babylon 5 or Battlestar Galactica, uh, they're all designed wrong and they're doing it wrong and they're not, <laughs> they wouldn't be able to turn. And that turning in space, just a right angle turn, is really difficult if you look at like our spaceships. <laughs> so it's super dirty. Will it do good? I have no idea. I have no idea. I mean, you, obviously, you were talking about how passionate you are about the, the topic and you can clearly see that, right? <laughs> in the, in the enthusiasm <laughs> around it. Um, but you did start this when you were between jobs and you didn't think at the time it was going to be a career, but it led to being a career. And can you tell us how that developed and, you know, how the income started to come from that? 
All right. Well, for the for the first year, full year of YouTube, I did not miss a week. I uploaded every single week, and if and every single comment. No matter what it was, I replied to. Even in the early days, I got more trolls before my audience really started to cement itself for what it is, and now I barely have any. But back then, you know, there were some pretty harsh comments about my weight or how boring I was, or, you know, I'm so afraid going off on tangents and all that stuff. And some people don't like that, and they can say point that out very harshly. You know what response was? Oh, I'm sorry you didn't like it. Hope you have a wonderful life. <laughs> okay, and uh, and you just be you just be pleasant. Okay, and uh, uh, and then when people read that and you see that oh this guy he can handle he can handle it. He's just a nice friendly guy. And th- and then you're not only because you build a brand and all, that brand is yourself. And so uh, it's funny. This is actually probably important about depending on time. It's how importantly it is for you to handle yourself properly in the online sphere, responding correctly to criticism and not making mistakes in how you react to your audience and stuff like that. For instance, like memes, right? But like people start doing memes or, th- or gags like that, and they might pick out something silly that you've done, okay? And some people's reaction might be, oh, I hate that. They might be, feel like they're getting teased and stuff like that. But this is something your audience is enjoying. And the, and honestly, like I've, I've seen creators make mistakes where they're not getting on board. And they're like, guys, can you stop with the memes? It's not funny anymore and stuff. And they're missing out on something. And it's a part about building a community. And when, I, when these things started to happen on my channel, I doubled down with them i joined them and i started screaming with them and then i've developed this huge community and there's these big memes around my channel that's now associated with me as a creator and i'm building a brand a very iconic recognizable thing and so whenever well like i appear sometimes people mention me in other videos well, you know you should check out shadow versio or this guy shad he's done this thing there and if people know me they respond with what about dragons? <laughs> and which is one of the memes of my channel, or machiculations, which is just this thing I scream about castles, right? And it's an instantly identifying thing of the community. It's like people know that. And so when I comment on a video, and because I watch heaps of YouTube, even if it's something completely separate to what I'm doing, and I might leave a comment, usually because I'm an established creator, you got the tick on it, your comment is more recognizable than others, and people see it. And if and you, and you, I'll find members of my audience on them because it's growing large enough. And the replies are, "But what about Dragon Shad or Magiculations?" <laughs> and so you build that community right there. And so being able to navigate yourself correctly through some tricky kind of you know waters about how like you know how you interact, with that, especially if people criticize you and make big scathing response videos. I've had that happen, right? But I responded in the right way. <laughs> When I'm on the mic. Time for a quick break, and normally we'd plug the app, but today it's Shad's book. Yes, and Fred, what is the title of this book? Uh, the book is called Shadow of the Conqueror, Chronicles of Everfall, Book One. <laughs> and it's available on Amazon in ebook, paperbook, and audiobook, read by none other than Michael Kramer. Yeah, so check it out on Amazon. Let's get back into the podcast. I like how you said paperbook. <laughs> Did I say paper book? It's a paper book. It's a paper book. It is a paper book. Well, it's much more much more um, accurate description. Paperback. Let's get back into it. So, Shad, were you? Is, was this the plan then? What was your plan? You're going to be a successful YouTuber. You're all in. Um, <laughs> off no, you go. Oh. You're going to build an audience. No, see, um, I went into it wanting to correct misinformation. Okay, and that was the, that was part of the kind of the reward for me just getting the information out there and look as if you know 100 200 a thousand people saw it that's awesome i was happy with that and i tried to keep myself on a real kind of level and that even if i only got that for the rest of the life of the channel that would be enough i also wanted to build an audience for to launch a writing career off of so again however many eyeballs i could attract that would be very beneficial but i didn't i i, I did not think i would it would be a career 
I thought my writing career would be successful before anything I got on YouTube. And, I, and then I actually, I kind of envisioned that my writing career would attract the larger audience that could sustain a YouTube channel from that. But it's been the reverse. <laughs> like, it'd be completely <laughs> whether YouTube has taken off and now is the, the main platform that I'm launching my writing off of, which is just phenomenal. So, I mean... You have the day, you have your daydream. Wouldn't it be great if you can get huge and stuff? But I tried to keep myself on a real level and just be happy with whatever I got, and that was good. And uh, I didn't think I'd be making money from it um, before my writing. So. Was there was there um, anything around you that you could draw on to see what that possibility oh. would be? Oh, oh yes, indeed. And I, um, uh, so my brother is Jazza from the YouTube drawer Jazza, as you guys know, and so he was already started on YouTube, all right? and. When I started, he had about maybe 250 or 300,000 subscribers. Now, I wasn't making content similar to him. And, uh, and yeah, your dream wouldn't it be great if I could reach the same level. But no, whatever I got, I'd be happy with. And I wasn't really expecting to, for it to become a full-time job, right? Um, but he, my brother, was already doing it. And so he knew the inside facts about how to do it right and so even though I wasn't going into this saying I want to be like my brother and stuff and I love him to a bit of death right don't, don't get me wrong but I uh, wanted to do something that was wholly my own and uh, and I was actually more emulating the other guys that were doing the sword content rather than my brother but whenever I had a question about content what like I, I remember going to him talking about how to brand my channel what name should I do and uh, I, I was actually wondering if I should um, split my content between the whole historical sword stuff and then and then if I uh, go into science fiction or something like that I'd have a dedicated science fiction channel and then a dedicated role-playing channel and stuff and he was like no 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 you don't want to fragment your audience like that you'll find it a lot more difficult to grow you should put it all together and that was great advice really really good advice because my brother is a bit like me that when he's in a craft is doing something he likes to figure out how it's working like if it's if it's succeeding why is he succeeding and so he was trying to go into analytics before analytics was even there right and and so he had a really good understanding of the youtube beast and i could always go to him with questions to help set up things the right way like so brand my channel the right way you know uh, don't segment my content and stuff how do i deal with uh, copyright strikes for instance stuff like that. how do i avoid them and all, all those things and then we just ended up talking shop a lot whenever we got together we talked youtube and, and that was brilliant and there was there was another thing that happened at the very beginning of my channel which honestly it, it's interesting like it's hard to gauge how much it helps it certainly helped and it, and uh, when you're starting out you need something that gives you momentum, starts the ball rolling. And if you don't get that, it can be really hard to get that, the, the, those first subscribers. And so because of that, this could actually be one of the most significant things that happened to my channel because it was that thing that really gave me that boost. And it's that my brother Joss started a second channel, a second YouTube channel called Tabletop Time where he did role-playing games. And I was on that channel. And so when we started, if you actually watch one of the very first Tabletop Time videos... Uh, it is literally like, and and he is Shad, and he is literally just starting his own YouTube channel. And, and I started Shadiversity at the exact same time we started Tabletop Time. And so I got to pimp out my content on Tabletop Time. The thing is, though, the uh, the translation, like the audience doesn't transfer nearly as, as large as people think. And so Joss, he announced his uh, new channel on his main one, Jazza, Draw with Jazza, and only 2,000 subscribers moved, migrated to tabletop time. 
and he had around 250 or 300,000 subscribers at the time. Yep. And so that's a very different kind of number right there. And then when I pimped out Shadowversity on tabletop time, I got between one to 200 subscribers. Now, in the larger picture, that's not a lot, but when you're just starting out, it's a lot more than what you had. And so that gave me the initial momentum. Yeah, right. And we were talking earlier about um, tabletop time um, and the connection between your channel and it and Draw with Jazza and vice versa. But over time, you, you've seen that your channel has had a better connection with the audience on tabletop time. What like, Creators think that a silver bullet is a shout-out from a bigger channel mm-hmm. or a collaboration with a bigger channel. Yeah. What would make that connection actually valuable for a creator yeah it's really interesting that like understanding how shout outs work is uh, can be a little very tricky and i'll try and uh, decode it a bit because from experience and stuff i've been out learn and it's interesting an effective shout out is uh, going to be if there is a similar type of content or content or a shared interest at least and that's going to get better conversion like the audience will migrate well, migrate seems implies that they'll leave. No, they'll stick with the original one, but then they'll also start watching the other one. And more of that will happen if there is shared interest. And if not, it can be very low. And having said that, though, I think people will be surprised that even when there is shared interest, it's nowhere near as big as what people think. And it's not consistent. It's only a small little boost. And then it goes back to all you. And the other side of this, you need the content on your channel to keep them. Okay, If there's nothing there to actually engage these new eyeballs that are sent your way, they're not going to stay and, uh, and and it'll be useless. And I've seen this happen. I've seen shout outs be given by, by like in, in the right context. When I say huge creators, they had maybe 50,000 subscribers and the channel had a few hundred. So in that sense, this channel was massive compared mm. to the smaller one. They gave a, a full blown shout out to this other channel and nothing happened. Nothing. They didn't get like a single subscriber because their content was not up to scratch. It yeah. wasn't working. Now, the interesting thing about Jazza, uh, my brother, and Tabletop Time was that Tabletop Time was actually quite different content to what he was already making. And so the conversion that he had between... When, and this is a creator saying, I'm on this, I'm, this is my channel, a whole other channel, right? Uh, was only 2,000 subscribers when he first shouted out on his main one. And again, he had like 250 or 300,000. And so that's not a big conversion. But what's interesting, right is I then shouted out my own channel on Tabletop Time specifically. I actually didn't get a shout-out from my brother, Draw with Jazza, not for like the first three years or something before he mentioned me. And uh, holding I'm, out. <laughs> no, I'm actually grateful that he did that because a lot of the growth then from my channel, I could actually say was because of my own work and what I was doing on the channel. And honestly, if he did, probably wouldn't have done much. The, the content was very different, okay, um, at the time. And uh, so uh, then when I mentioned Tabletop Time, sorry, when I mentioned my channel on Tabletop Time, I got that small boost of subscribers and that did help get momentum and then it was up to me to maintain that momentum. I have viewers now. I need to try and do the... I need to make the content, reply to every single comment, every comment I replied to in the early days without fail and stuff because I needed to keep that audience. Once they're there, I needed to keep them and I needed to continually upload to make sure that they know that these are, there's always going to be a video and then and that's what you need to do to maintain the momentum, keep the ball rolling. And then when I started to get more momentum, I actually started to attract a decent amount of viewers, new subscribers to Tabletop Time from Shadowversity than Joss was from Troll with Jazza. There will be guys coming on with like 
talking about my, you know, the videos I made and other things like that. And so it was really interesting to see because the connection between tabletop time and my own content was stronger mm. than the connection between Jazz's, my brother Jazz, draw Jazz's content and role playing because I was already talking about role playing and swords and, and all that stuff. And, and so it's very interesting to try and understand like, just recently, to let you know, I've done a collaboration with a channel that has like 4 million subscribers. Um, how Ridiculous? Do you know the How Ridiculous? Yeah, absolutely, yeah. Yeah, I flew over to Perth and we did a collaboration and stuff. And because our content is so different, I, I got maybe an extra 1,000 subscribers. Really? Yep. Interesting. Mm. And, and th- this is on a video that has nearly, I think it has 2 million views by now. And oh. so they give me a full-blown shout-out. 2 million views, 1,000 extra subscribers on my channel because the content is so different. Um, now, it's not saying it wasn't worth it. It was great. I loved going over there. These are great guys. I made a video with them and stuff. But what's also interesting about this, the video I made with them was different to my regular content as well. And so my own viewer base didn't jump onto that video as uh, enthusiastically as they do with my regular videos. And so because of that, the video tracked far lo- it started tracking far lower than normal, but we published at the same time, and then they mentioned it on theirs, and then the traffic that they sent over enabled that video to just get the same level of momentum and traffic as a regular video on my channel did. Uh, so it's very – people think that if you get a shout-out from a massive channel, you're set, you made it. No. <laughs> yes, yeah, so it, it, it highlights why, you know, collaborations and shout-outs in similar areas are so important, right? Mm-hmm. Um, Fred was asking – like talking about the building the business ah. around YouTube as well. So I guess that's no, no, no. That's, Sorry, oh. tangent. You know that was that I got off a tangent because I was it's, about to. It's say, It's a good know. tangent though. Yeah. But then, so you're building a a brand. How does a creator then build a brand that makes it sustainable financially? Well, I mean, there's a couple of ways. You, of course, YouTube ad revenue is great, and, yeah, and ad revenue is simply about views. You get views, and yeah, you know, of course, sign up as a YouTube partner, and you know, you need a certain amount of views or subscribers to be able to do that. But do that straight away, and then if you get the views, you'll get the money. Okay, and then it's about maintaining the views, uh, making the content that your audience is after, trying to, uh, and also if you, if your type of content is very specific, where it's very the same, you your audience can get bored with it, and so you need to try and experiment, expand, and find ways that you can adapt. and And I do that a lot on my channel by trying new things, and if it works, great, I double down. If it doesn't, I never visit it again. It's gone into the abyss. Okay. Um, and so making that good content and, uh, and then looking at your own stuff and trying to improve, okay, and then you'll get the views, you'll get the money. Of course, there's other ways as well. You have crowdfunding sources. Patreon is popular. Um, uh, Patreon can be a bit insecure because they have banned people for not following uh, – well, actually, they have banned people for things that they haven't even broken in the terms of service and stuff, even people who aren't political. And so that's a bit concerning. Uh, and so for me – I'm trying to launch my own website where people can do direct PayPal donations, which is a very secure way of doing it, so I like that. And so there's crowdfunding, there's merchandise, and uh, and I'm about to do something which is the whole purpose of this channel. In a few months, I'm going to be publishing my own novel. That was the, that was, this was the master plan, right? The master plan, because the most valuable thing is you as a creator is actually not the ad revenue, it's your audience, it's your reach, okay? This is why sponsorships come to you. Because you ha- you can reach that larger amount of people. And so even if there was no ad revenue on YouTube, I'd still be doing this because there's amazing power that you have when you have an audience. And then I'd be getting brand deals like Audible, you know. I just did an Audible um, sponsorship recently, which is awesome, and the money was great. <laughs> okay, it was really good. Uh, but it comes from having an audience. And I'm about to launch my book, right? And I'm so excited for this. It's, it's, it's a big thing for me, okay, because um, I'm really happy with the book. And uh, I'm doing the work to make it 
legitimate, make it professional, okay? And I have two of the best audio narrators in the business. I'm not, no, that's not an understatement. Michael Kramer and Kate Redding, if you have read. Holy moly, Michael Kramer. You know him? Oh, he's fantastic. Yes, he's doing my audiobook, dude. That is incredible. Isn't that cool? Like, yeah. I'm going through the narration right now, yeah. and I've been, I've been like screaming because <laughs> it's so good. It's yeah. crazy. So, Michael Kramer does some of the biggest fantasy books. Right. I have no idea, but your, both yeah. of your excitement just makes yeah. me excited. I'm <laughs> like, oh my God, that's Michael Kramer. Yeah. Getting. That's who I'm getting, right? Like, it's crazy. And I'm getting one of the best cover artists in the business to do the cover art. He's done the cover art for Brandon Sanderson and stuff like that. If you know Brandon Sanderson's Wax and Wayne series, he's done the cover art for those books. It's amazing. Uh, um, Chris McGrath is, is a guy doing like a cover art. Awesome. So, the nerds at home are just frothing over oh, this. So this is crazy, like, right? But, but, but this yeah, is the thing, right? frothing. So, th- like, I'll, I'll let you do some numbers quickly, right? My average view rate is around 100,000 views, okay? If I do a conservative conversion that I could sell... Uh, either an audiobook or my novel to one in ten, okay. And if I set up the business end right, I, I might need to um, register an American limited liability company to do this. It's going to be tricky, but no, I'm going to do it. I could make around ten dollars Australian per book. And so if I sell one in ten to a hundred thousand viewer audience and make ten dollars each, that's it's pretty good. As my as my as my good friend and editor will say, is like. That's a lot of dimp, okay? Um, so when you talk about how to make this as a business and stuff like that, is, for me, YouTube has never been the sole basket. It has been the platform that I intended to use to reach onto greater things. Now, more, and I'm going to stick on YouTube. I'm here forever, right? But I'm still going to be trying to use it as the tool that I feel it can be to go to greater things, you know, and it's going to be writing. I've always wanted to be a novelist. And now, now I'm going to launch a writing career and... Uh, I'm going to make be. I'm going to have more success, and yes, that means make more money mm. through self-publishing this thing than if I was to go through traditional publication, and that's just mind-boggling. That's awesome. That is awesome. Yeah, but that's kind of what I, I guess what we're trying to highlight with the, this whole series, you know, create a generation, is to to show the path that that is possible um, by following your passion and creating content and leveraging mm. that. Yeah, and to build something again off yeah, your passion. And I feel you should do that. If you have a passion, try and try and look at YouTube as the platform for something greater and more. And and that means as a platform, it also means the foundation. Okay, and so keep that foundation because that's hold going to hold it up. And so you know, keep doing it. And of course, you'll make great money from YouTube anyway when you start to get the audience and the eyeballs and stuff. But don't limit yourself to that. Expand beyond, and you can reach some pretty awesome. Like you know. I, I have to pull myself up sometimes and realize that I'm, it's, I'm kind of living some of my dreams right now. And it, it's, it's like, like when I was listening to Michael Kramer read my audio book, I was almost in tears. I cannot express how incredible it is. Like, it, is. it is. If you've ever listened to any fan, he is the audio book I trust writer. you guys. Yeah. You guys nerd out on this as oh, much yeah. as you like. I'm down so, with it. This is the interesting thing, right? Like I'm not in um, – I mean, obviously I'm not interested that much in the sword and the medieval history, but mm-hmm. I enjoy fantasy books and I especially enjoy fantasy audio books. So, you know, Michael Kramer is like the guy. If I see a book by him, I'll actually go – even if I've never seen anything about yeah. the book, I'll go and look at what he's so up exciting. to. Whereas, so exciting. Whereas yeah. I actually have a history degree in ancient history and history and I famously get ribbed for – doing a course called Witchcraft and Demonology, <laughs> and I've just broadcast that to everyone else. Yet I... What did you major in it? Uh, witchcraft No, no, that wasn't a major. It was just a very, very interesting subject, and I did quite well at it. Thank you very much. <laughs> Demonic Possession asked me about that later. Um, and, and when's it coming out? 
Well, I mean, honestly, like I'm going through the audio narration right now, just review, and then there's going to be fixes to any fixes that need to happen. And the uh, cover art is going to be done by in a month, maybe. No, even less, actually, maybe a week. So that's exciting. And I could publish it then if I could sort out this uh, US LLC. Right. Um, and, uh, and so I'm working on it. Where, where, on. Like, like, where does a creator go to navigate? Like you're talking about a yeah, yeah. LLC and, the, you know, it's an... Well, it's a, mat- term, yeah, yeah. it's a matter of putting on the big boy pants and just stepping out and do it. Like, for instance, taxation. You know what? You, you call an accountant, okay? <laughs> and you say, hey, I'm starting to make money now. How does it? And, you know, I have a good friend I, who I went to school. He's a great guy who's an accountant. So I just called him. So I, I am, I'm making money now. How do I not go to jail about tax? <laughs> and it's like, well, you can do this, this or that. And I was like, oh, sole trader. Well, that sounds great. And so I registered as a sole trader. And he did the paperwork for me. And I just paid a very small fee. And I was done. And now I'm like, yeah, I got my own business. I'm a sole trader. And I don't feel like I, I, I'm, I don't think I'm a genius businessman or anything, but to say, you know, and, and now I'm incorporated. Like, which I have that company, Shadowversity Proprietary Limited. And again, it was like I started to make too much money um, on the sole trader side. It was better to have it as a company. And uh, my accountant, he did the paperwork. I signed things off, helped me set it up. And it, it sounds really impressive. I have my own company, but I feel like I'm a nerd who plays Dungeons and Dragons. I'm not a businessman, but <laughs> it's actually far easier than people realize. You, you contact the right people who know how to do it. And so for this US LLC, same thing. I'm trying to contact the US accountant who's ready to help me out and sort it out. And I've got some friends in America who can also uh, put their address as the business location and stuff. And uh, that'll, you know, set me up. So, Shad, we wrap it up every episode with asking the creator to share some of their top tips um, and specifically three top tips for creators out there. Okay. Put you on the spot. Only three. And maybe succinct. Top (laughs) tips. I noticed an emphasis on succinct for some reason. Um, Okay. Uh, hmm. We are in a shipping container in in Melbourne that is quite warm. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, the best tip is make good content, okay? But again, what is good content? That depends on your own audience and stuff like that. Uh, but there are some things that, uh, that can apply broadly o- over the whole, whole thing, and that is uh, be charismatic, okay? Try, try and be engaging and stuff. Try and learn from your mistakes. Uh, try and improve. Uh, that, that's key. If you're trying to start, so if, if I was to give tips to someone just starting out, okay, well, uh, one, you need to make content. Some people just have so much difficulty making the content. But once you make the content, once your content is there, consistency. Upload every week at the minimum in my mind. I'll upload once a month, but at whatever rate you do, maintain it consistently because your audience is going to build an expectation and they want that expectation fulfilled. If you don't fulfill it, they can leave, okay? And so part of that expectation is the rate that you upload stick with it first year every single week without fail and by the way in the first year i didn't make a cent just to let you know and i still stayed consistent every single week and one of the other things i did is foster the community okay and so what how i did it was i replied to every single comment but not only that i commented on other youtubers who are making similar type content because they have an audience and they're pretty Really interesting. So again, foster the community. Comment on other th- other, other creators. And uh, one of the things I did was I made reply videos, respectful reply videos. Not, you don't have to disagree to, to to do a reply. You can say I want to add to the discussion. And they and if you do a good uh, like a proper reply video, your video can be recommended right next to theirs, and they have a huge audience. And so I got some good boosts in the early days by making good respectful reply videos and that's again fostering the community so for my three tips 
make good content. Okay. What was the second one? Consistency. 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 There we go. You're a smart guy, Ant. I should listen to you. Um, Consistency and then foster the community. Okay. Awesome. Very good. All that witchcraft and demonology study. (laughs) Well, uh, Shad, thank you so much for joining us on Creator Generation. Uh, It's been a pleasure having you. Thank you for having me. Shad, one of our absolute favorite creators. Great guy. Great story. I love nerding out with Shad. It's awesome. And, and I love that his book has got the title, like his name in, in it. Shad. Shadow of the Conqueror. Shad, you clever man. Indeed. Check it out, guys. Shadow of the Conqueror, Chronicles of Ever 4, book one, available on Amazon. Ebook, paperback, and audiobook. We will see you next week. Bye. Generation. On the mic.